right, we have come to the end of our series in our core values. If you have missed them, get them on the web, get them on your app. This is who we are at our core at Coastal. It's what drives us in our decision-making. It's what drives us in, in uh, our ministry decisions and what we do. It, there's so much about this. We've talked about watchfulness and authenticity. Last week, we dealt with the subject of love. And this week, we're going to finish with a discussion on accountability. Now, I know it's not spelled the right way, but here's how we remember this as a staff. Watchfulness, authenticity, love, and accountability. Voila. I know it isn't spelled that way, but it helps us, so maybe it'll help you, okay? Watchfulness, authenticity, love, accountability. I want to give you just a little brief story about accountability. It's a story about four people. Their names are everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. You may have heard this story before. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but realized that in the end, nobody would do it. As a result, everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. <laughs> it's really important that we get done what needs to get done, right? And we're talking about accountability, which is so incredibly important in the Christian life. If you are trying to live the Christian life as an island, by yourself, doing your own thing, just powering through, I promise you it is way harder than if you do it in relationships with other people. That's why we talk so often about relationships at Coastal. We are not about helping you follow the right list of rules. We are about helping you build relationships that will keep you on the path of righteousness and holiness so that you can honor God as a as a life of gratitude for what he has done for you. That's kind of the message in a nutshell. I would say if you didn't get enough sleep, go ahead and take your nap now, but y'all had an extra hour, except for those of you who think we just started our second service an hour, a half hour early this morning. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I want to talk about accountability. Here's how we define accountability for Coastal. Our lives remain centered on truth through open examination by God, church and others being allowed to speak truth to us. Accountability is not something enforced. Some, accountability ought to be something invited. All right? I need people in my life who have the freedom to be truthful with me. I need to be in relationships with people who are allowed to be honest with me about what they see. They hear me, and, th and, and this isn't true with everybody. I mean, there are some people who think they're everyone's accountability partner. I get that, you know, and, and most of them who write to the pastors at Coastal don't have a name. They just send it in without a name and send a little thing on the Connect card to help hold us accountable without telling us who they are. Uh, but accountability invites other people. I have individuals in my life who I know if I'm getting off track will be honest enough with me to say, did, did you really mean to say that that way? Did you really mean to, to do that? Are you sure you should be on that path? It's, it's important that that happen for us. So I want to talk about four aspects of accountability, one of which Nate actually talked about last week, so I don't have to spend a lot of time on it. So I'm really uh, thankful for that. Um, accountability, first of all, to God. There's one verse in Romans 14 that's really important, and it says this, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. 
That's an incredibly important verse. Now, there are a number of things about this passage of Scripture that I think are really worth remembering. Number one, we are giving account of ourselves. There are several things true about that. Now, this whole chapter is a chapter, there's much of Romans 14 that is talking about things that we would call debatable issues. We just had We Are Coastal last evening. Uh, I taught the section on grow, which includes this and includes this idea of uh, commitment to small groups and other various things. But we said in we, we are honest, we have essentials, and we have unity in the essentials, and in the non-essentials, we have liberty, because we're going to give account of ourselves, not each other. This chapter in the Bible is talking about things that are, would be considered non-essentials. Of course, the problem with having non-essentials is none of them are non-essential to me, right? None of my, none of my things are unessential, if I think you, oh, I don't know, I'll get, I'll get emails anyway. So uh, <laughs> if I think I should vaccinate my kids, then everybody should. If I think, no, it's going to really harm your kids, then of course, no one should do that. If I think you should involve yourself in Halloween and hand out candy or not, of course, everyone should agree with me because most of the time, I even have Bible verses, right, for my things. How do we decide? One of the questions on, I just noticed it this morning, in your small group questions for this week is, how do we decide which of those things are the non-essentials? Have fun with that, okay? That should be a great discussion. We are giving account of ourselves. What cultural practices will we participate in? What, uh, what are the educational choices we'll have for our children? What are the uh, what are the th- how do we approach things like alcohol consumption? Things that for uh, many people, there are differences of opinions. That's what this is about. And the, the important note of this verse in chapter 14 is we are personally responsible to be obedient to God. No one else is responsible for my behavior, nor is anyone else to blame for my behavior. So this is not just carte blanche freedom to do whatever I feel like doing. This is, I need to recognize I give account to God. I have to be honest before God. It's personal responsibility to make wise and godly choices. We will also account for our actions. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. The work that anyone has built on the foundation, if it survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as by fire. Now, this is talking about whether your activity as a follower of Christ is useful or useless to the kingdom. This is not talking about how you get into heaven. I'm coming back around to that in just a second. This is related to the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. It relates to God has given to us responsibilities as followers of Christ. How are we doing at fulfilling those things? We will give account of our actions. 
we will also account, most importantly, for our position in Christ. Here's, here's what is really cool about this. And that's why it says they'll be saved, but it'll be by fire. There will be people who will be in heaven because they've genuinely trusted Jesus as their Savior, but they didn't do a lot in terms of serving Christ and being useful for the kingdom. Their sins are forgiven. They're genuine followers of Christ, but they haven't really done much to demonstrate faithfulness in serving God. We will give account of our position in Christ, though, and here's the incredible thing. When you stand before God and you are in Christ, you've trusted in Jesus, you have, you have the certainty of salvation by faith in Christ, whose works will you actually put forward to say, here's, here's the accounting for me? It's the works of Christ. It's the works of Jesus that he did on your behalf. So when you stand before God and God says, why should you come to heaven? The answer will be from Jesus because I paid for all of that person's sins. So we, in that effect, in that sense, we account. We've been justified, Romans 5, 1 says, by faith. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, Jesus was made sin for us who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Man, I hope that makes you thankful today. Accountability is first to God. Now here's the thing. There is no such thing as salvation by works. There is no such thing as making God happy by your works once you're saved. There are a lot, there are a lot of Christians who tend to look at life and say, well, I know I was saved by grace, but I got to really keep it up. I got to really live it right. I got to do the right thing or God won't be happy with me. Let me tell you this. If you are in Christ, God will never be more happy with you than he is right this moment. He sees you as completely righteous. The person for whom that is true will not want to let habitual sin, whether it's known or unknown, exist in their life. That's just how it works. It's not that you're going to try and keep God happy with you. It's that you're going to want to live a life out of gratitude that's going to honor God who did this for you in Christ. So we become then accountable to one another. This is super valuable. This is where Nate talked last week from Hebrews chapter 3. So let's, uh, let's just go through here and kind of hit a few highlights of review. Why do we need accountability to one another? This is what Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 says. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We tend to wander. It is our propensity to wander. It's what we're inclined to do. We're like a car on the road. If you don't keep your hand on the steering wheel, what happens? Well, I don't know. I haven't ever done that for very long. But <laughs> my impression would be from those moments that I've reached down to pick something up that it would not end well. Because you've got to keep your hand on the wheel. We are, we are prone to wander. As followers of Christ in right standing before God, we still have a tendency to drift off the path of holiness. So we need other people to be able to speak into our lives. We are also easily deceived. We are not self-aware, right? I mean, many of us are not self-aware, 
we don't realize that we're that friend in the group or in the room that people are always having to have extra grace toward. We, I, I jokingly talk about EGRs, people who, who uh, there's extra grace required in relationships with them. If you don't know anybody for whom there's extra grace required, you might be that person, right? <laughs> there seems to be people around us for whom we have to just trust God. Listen, we are, we're easily deceived. We're not always self-aware. So therefore, we need to exhort each other. As long as we're still here, as long as it's today, as long as we have the opportunity, we need to exhort each other. That's to encourage I love what is said in that video. It's not just about calling out each other's sin. It's about helping each other remember our place in our relationship to Christ and what's going on. Go down in uh, chapter 13, rather chapter 3, excuse me, to verse 16. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? He's, he's remembering for the children of Israel the, their forefathers. When they left Egypt, they saw the plagues. They saw the gods of Egypt get decimated in the eyes of the people of Egypt. They watched Pharaoh as he hardened his heart repeatedly. And eventually God brought them out with a mighty hand and with favor in the eyes of all the Egyptians. They came out wealthy. They crossed the Red Sea. They won all of these battles going into the land. Who were the ones who heard and yet rebelled? It was those people who watched all that incredible stuff. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, if I saw miracles like they saw, man, I would never forget God. Oh, yes, you would, as would I, because we are prone to forget. That's our tendency with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would not enter into his rest, but those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. It is so important in my life, and I suspect in yours as well, that I have people around me that help me remember. It is so easy to forget all that God has accomplished for me in Christ. So I need to respond with a tender heart. So when I'm in a relationship of accountability, my initial knee-jerk reaction should not be, wait a minute, I didn't say that. Wait a minute, no, that's not what I did. It should be a tender heart. I should be invested in community. I don't need to like hound you about small group ministry again, do I? I feel like I do that all the time. If you're not in a small group, you're going to have to work harder at getting relationships of accountability. If you're in a small group, you have friends, right? You have people who are in your life that you have opportunity, especially during those small group seasons in the spring and fall when everybody's meeting, you have opportunity to come and say, man, I'm really struggling right now because I'm, I'm struggling in my faith. I'm having this experience and this is happening. You have friends who can come around you, remind you of how the gospel speaks into that situation. It's accountability. It's helping us be uh, connected and having accountability relationships like Philip and Ben talked about. Man, if you can get yourself connected to another friend 
who is that close to you and that honest and that open with you and willing to say, dude, I think you are forgetting something here. You are blessed indeed because we need that. We need accountability to one another. We are accountable to church leadership. Now go to Hebrews 13. A couple of things that are important here as it relates to church leadership. Here's what the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 13 and verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now I know, trust me, I know that is, that's more of a challenge to me in my own heart than it is to you. But it is something you ought to do and ought to be able to do. Watch those whom God has put in your life as spiritual leaders. That's not just me. That's not just Nate. It's not just Janelle. It's not just staff members at Coastal or pastors at Coastal. That's your small group leader. Watch those who are responsible to lead you and imitate their faith. You want an example? A lot of times we want that, right? I don't want to, I mean, I know we live in the age of Google, and so you can just Google and figure things out for yourself a lot of times. Sorry, that doesn't work with the Christian life. It's a lot easier to watch somebody's life and imitate. That's why Paul said, listen, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's okay, you can watch what I'm doing. So imitate their faith. And verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they're keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Submit to them. Place yourself under their authority. Literally, be convinced. Listen to them. Obey. You know, I hope you understand submission to authority is derived from from God, right? Jesus submitted himself to God. Jesus is no less than God the Father. Jesus and the Father, the Son and the Father are equal in who they are. They are God. Jesus is fully God. And yet, Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father. So submission to authority is derived from how God functions himself. It's not a matter of who's more important or who's better or who's more spiritual or who's got whatever qualities we think are important. Submission is about I decide to place myself in a relationship that I will do what I'm told what I'm asked to do. Place myself under, submit to, give way to. Why? Why do we do that? Why are we responsible to do that? And listen, all of us do that. So I'm the campus pastor here in Gloucester. I submit myself to Pastor Andrew Oates, the executive pastor of Coastal, who is responsible for our campusing efforts, who submits himself to Pastor Sean Brown, who is our lead pastor at Coastal, who has himself submitted himself to the elders of our church. We all are in a relationship of submission to authority. We all have that opportunity and responsibility. Why do we do that? Because they watch for your souls. The greatest responsibility of a shepherd of people, of a small group leader, of a pastor, of a children's ministry worker, our greatest responsibility is that we shepherd the souls of people. God has assigned us that task. The implication is continuous, wakeful concern. There are sleepless nights 
for your pastors. I can promise you that, and it isn't because of any one of you in particular usually. It's just the ministry and the weight of the ministry, but it is our care and our concern for our people because we must give account to God. So that means if you're off the path of righteousness and I don't do anything about it, God holds me accountable for the fact that I should have stepped in and helped you. So why do we do that? Why do we obey our leaders? Why do we submit to our leaders? Because God has said these people are responsible. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Don't make it difficult, right? Let's not make this difficult for ourselves by always having to argue a point. So we're accountable to our church leaders. And lastly, this, and this one is so incredibly important because some of us have the gift of confrontation, right? We see something wrong, man. We're ready to nail it. Get them. We must be accountable to each other in love. I think I have skipped. Have I skipped lines? Did I get everything? Imitate their faith. Nope. Submit to them. Okay. Accountability in love. This is the environment of accountability. We need to love each other toward righteousness. We don't respond well to harshness, most of us. We rightly resist legalism. Legalism is the idea that if you follow the right set of rules, you'll be more pleasing in the sight of God, whether that's a desire to be saved, whether that's a desire to uh, honor God and come to him in faith, or whether that's a, or more than faith, faith and works, or whether it's just a desire to say, hey, I know I trusted Jesus as my savior, but man, I got to really stay on the right path or God's not going to be happy with me. We don't respond well to legalism or harshness this uh, business of accountability is not an excuse for a critical, divisive, or condemning attitude. I don't get to be that way. That's not what the Bible permits me. So when someone, and I, when I and another person are in an accountability relationship of whatever form or fashion, that does not mean I get to nail them every time they do some little thing, that I have to get harsh. I got to tell them they're incompetent, or I got to tell them they're, they're being stupid or whatever. I don't, harshness is not in the scripture near as often as love. I know Jesus really got harsh in the temple and overthrew tables. Do you really want to say, well, Jesus did it, so I get to? Is that really the comparison you want to make? There's a lot of tenderness in the scriptures. There's a lot of tenderness in Jesus. He reserved his harshest criticisms for religious leaders who thought they were better than everybody else. For everybody else, Jesus was kind and compassionate and tender. The environment of accountability is love. Ephesians 4.15, we speak the truth. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into him in every way who is into Christ, who is the head. Listen, those two things in that verse are incredibly important. We speak the truth. Some people, in wanting to be loving, neglect to speak the truth. 
Some people, in a desire to say, I want to be compassionate, never confront anybody in their sin. If you're in an accountability relationship and, and the person that you're being accountable to has never called you on anything, find a new accountability partner. Surely you're doing something that's worthy of question, right? I mean, that I am. I'm assuming maybe others of you are as well. We have to speak the truth. We always have to speak the truth, which means it's not just my opinion. I need to go to the scripture. If I have a question and it's something on a debatable issue, let's go to the scriptures together. Let's find out together. Let's search out the scriptures and find out the truth. So we need honesty in our motives, in our agenda, in what we say to people, and we must be consistent with scripture. It's important that we hold each other accountable with truth and also in love. We want people to grow up into Christ. We need to be more concerned about the other person's spiritual well-being than we are that they agree with us. We need to be compassionate and caring. We must desire, according to verse 29 of this same chapter, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to accomplish. We want people to be built up in their faith. Far and away, the vast majority of time, that's going to happen in the context of love, not in the context of harsh and demanding and forceful and hurtful. It very rarely is effective for that to happen on a regular basis. Love is truthful. Love is compassionate and caring. So let me give you a couple of thoughts to take with you. Accountability is a gift from God. Accountability is not something that we have to enforce on each other. Accountability is not something that God has said, you've got to find yourself somebody else and some other people, and if you don't stay accountable, you're going to be spiritually shipwrecked. Well, that may be true, but here's the thing. It's, it's, an, it's a gift. God offers us each other God tells us in the scripture that we are able to help each other. We're able to counsel each other. He gives us one another in relationship. It's a gift from God. And the purpose of the gift is it keeps me on the path of holiness. A person who has genuinely trusted in Christ, a person whose life and heart has been transformed by the gospel does not want to drift from the path of righteousness. It's, it's not what we want to do. So God has given us this gift of accountability. If you're not in a small group, I encourage you to find a small group to be part of. Now, I know we're coming to the end of our season. Some of the small groups are stopping their regular weekly meeting. Our small group is doing that. But we did it as we said, but we don't want to not be together again until next February. So we're already thinking about how we're going to get together in the meantime and what kind of context because we've built enough of a relationship with each other. We want to be together. So get part of a small group. Get into an accountability relationship. How do you find an accountability partner? You look around, first of all, at the people that are in your life. Find the godliest one and go to them of the same gender. Go to them and say, listen, would you be willing to get together with me once in a while? I mean, you don't have to have some formal every week you get together and 
They're not your priest, right? You don't have to go and confess everything you've thought about in the last six and a half days. The point is, would you be willing to build a relationship with me? Can we together walk? I need somebody to kind of help keep me on track. If they are really as godly as you perceive them to be, they'll probably be honored. Accountability doesn't mean you find the, the person that is least holy around you that will make you feel better about yourself when you talk. It's find somebody that will be willing to be confidential, compassionate, that will help keep you on the path of holiness. Pursue godly accountability relationships. We need this in our lives. It's interesting to me that in virtually every other setting, if you talk to someone who has uh, abused alcohol, become an alcoholic, and is trying to recover from that and get free from the, the horrors of alcoholism, always, what do they do? They meet with a group of people, and they have one person that they can call at any time, day or night. We understand these kind of relationships are important, when you're a recovering alcoholic. Well, why not when we're just simply a recovering sinner? <laughs> I've got things in my life that I know I've got to keep away from this stuff or it's going to hurt me. It may kill me. It's important. It's, it's, is it humiliating? Is it humbling sometimes? Yeah, of course it is. None of us likes to admit we're struggling. None of us likes to admit we're having a lack of faith or a lapse of faith. But how badly do I want to be on the path of holiness? How much do I want to honor God with my life since he has transformed it by the gospel to begin with? It's a healthy thing. It's a good thing. A godly accountability partner will not constantly beat you down. They will help lift you up and build you up and help you to walk godly in Christ Jesus. God's given us everything we need to live godly I'm convinced that includes other relationships with other Christians. You got to get to it, right? We've got to do this. We're in this together. The Christian life is not intended to be lived as an island, as a lone ranger. That's not how it works. Sometimes your spouse will be an accountability partner, right? Sometimes, maybe many times, you need somebody besides your spouse that you can just go be honest with. Because let's, let's be real, we don't have any choice but to be honest with our spouse. I mean, they see us, right? They, we, can't, we can't hide. It's really hard to hide. They see us all the time. And we have other aspects to our relationship that we want to be able to pursue. So it can't always be about this. Find somebody that is the same gender as you get in a relationship that you can call somebody anytime. I've got, I've got people, I've got people coming to my mind right now. I've got a couple of them that if I had to call them at two o'clock in the morning, they would answer the phone and say, what can I do for you? I hope you have that. I hope you have those kind of relationships. I hope you'll pursue them. They are super valuable. Okay. All right. That's it. That's what drives us. Well, listen, but while the team's coming, let me say with a little more bluntness, I've been saying for several months now, be praying about a building, be praying about a building, be praying about a building. We really need to have a place, right? Because there's another group of people coming in here in the next service that it's not as full as this one, but uh, they wouldn't be able to fit in here right now and join us. And 
That's what the video is about in two weeks. Okay, I'll talk about that more next week in preparation for it. So listen, let's pray, all right? And thank God for the opportunity to be here today. Father, thank you for, for your grace. I thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us, for me in Christ, for the reality of the transformation that happened that put me in right standing before you. I thank you that when I stand before the throne, before the, the judgment I will plead the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus on my behalf. His perfect record has been applied to mine. It's incredible to me. He took my sin, gave me his righteousness. I'm so thankful that when I stand before you, that'll be true. And Father, I know that's true for everyone in this room who has similarly trusted in Christ. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people who would long as, as a reflection of our gratitude for that fact in and of itself, that we would long to be people who would walk on the path of righteousness and holiness that would honor you uh, with our lives. And I pray that we would be able and willing and ready to help each other along that path. Uh, Lord, I'm grateful you've given us each other and relationships to help us honor you in a day-to-day -day fashion. So I'm just grateful. Thankful for, thankful for this day. Thank you for the beauty of it. Thank you for the chance to be here and to worship together. And as we go out rejoicing and singing about who you are and your grace to us, I pray that we would go uh, really, really ready to go into this week uh, living for you. For I pray in Christ's name. Amen.